Welcome to the Living Healthy Podcast, where you can improve your quality of life by making solid and informed decisions. I'm your host, Eddie Randall. Tonight, I have another fantastic episode lined up for you of the Living Healthy Podcast. Tonight's episode is entitled, Exploring the Significance of Eating Organic and Non-GMO Foods. Organic foods are gaining more and more traction every year as people aim to improve their lives by eating healthier. In 2019, organic food sales accounted for $220 billion worldwide, while the United States accounted for nearly half of those sales. Organic foods are healthier for you than conventional foods, as the pesticides used in their cultivation have been linked to cancer and endocrine disorders. There is a misconception that organic foods and non-GMO foods do not use pesticides. They do use pesticides, but the difference is that conventional foods use synthetic pesticides and organic and non-GMO foods use natural pesticides. The National Pesticide Information website states that pesticides in organic foods are not man-made. The pesticides used in organic foods typically contain soaps and hydrogen peroxide. The website further states that natural substances like arsenic and strychnine are forbidden. Those two chemicals are used in conventional pesticides. The U.S. Department of Agriculture states that organic foods can be treated with pheromones. The pheromones confuse insects and livestock is also vaccinated against infectious diseases in lieu of antibiotics. Organic foods are more expensive, but in the long run, eating better by exposing yourself to the least amount of toxins can add quality years to your life. Organic food is not only nutritious and better for you, they are also good for the environment. Farming organic foods are cleaner for the environment due to the use of natural pesticides. We've all seen those commercials where a pesticide was used and is now part of a lawsuit where users ended up getting cancer. Natural pesticides limit your exposure to harmful chemicals. Organic agriculture also prevents soil erosion as organically grown foods use compost. Conventional agriculture uses synthetic fertilizers that increase the acidity of the soil. This process depletes natural nutrients and produces large amounts of nitrogen. Excess nitrogen is very bad for the soil and the environment. The Environmental Protection Agency published an article on their website in March of 2021 called Understanding the Impacts of Synthetic Nitrogen on Air and Water Quality Using Integrated Models. The website states that excess nitrogen contaminates drinking water, contributes to acid rain, and increases greenhouse gases. Livestock that is raised to be sold as organic products are fed non-GMO organic feed, which is undoubtedly healthier for you. Eating meat raised with antibiotics increases your chances of developing antibiotic resistance. This can lead to an increase in susceptibility to bacteria, causing illnesses such as methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, aka MRSA. The hormones used in food production are not entirely safe. They disrupt the endocrine system and act as precursors to cancer. An example would be xeranol. 
It's a growth hormone that's been linked to cancer. On the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy website, they published an article called Study Examines Link Between Beef Hormones and Cancer. They state that the FDA allows it to be used to fatten animals and give meat a flavor, even though it's known to cause breast cancer. Back in 1981, Europe had a ban on beef imported from the United States and then from Canada. This was due to the United States and Canada's use of growth hormones. Both the U.S. and Canada disputed this ban for years, and the World Trade Organization continued to fight to keep hormone-raised beef out of Europe. Canada reached an agreement with the European Union, and then about five or six years ago, an agreement was reached with the United States. Now, the U.S. and Canada can export beef to the European Union. In August of 2019, President Donald Trump reached a deal with the EU to expand beef exports to Europe. The agreement sought to triple the amount of exported beef, which was a monumental deal. But then the COVID-19 pandemic happened, and even a year and a half later, the pandemic is still affecting trade worldwide. Even though the EU will import more beef from the U.S., the EU has not changed the way that they regulate meat. They will allow U.S. beef to be sold, but it must adhere to European Union labeling. As an example, the label will say born in, then the country's name, slaughtered in, then the country's name. It will have a reference number and or a tracking number. On the Texas A&M University College of Agriculture and Life Sciences website, Jeff Savell posted an article called Country of Origin Labeling in Europe. He took photos of meat in stores in Europe. He had pictures of veal and showed that the labels had the name of the meat, the age when it was slaughtered, the country it was born in, country it was raised in, country it was slaughtered in, and the country it was sectioned in. As far as transparency, it appears that by EU standards, they want to make sure consumers know what is available to them and where it comes from, so they can make a better decision on where they wish to spend their money. People should have the right to decide what kind of food they would like to eat, and even though healthier options are more expensive, they prove to be the best alternative to living the healthiest life possible. Not only that, but psychologically, it feels good to enjoy cleaner food. My family and I have been eating organic for years, and the food tastes better in comparison to conventional food. It is not always consistent, but organic fruits and vegetables do tend to taste better than their conventional counterparts at least in my opinion. On OrganicAG.org, a website based on organic agriculture, they state that in some cases there is no difference in taste and in other studies it was reported that organic foods have better taste, longer shelf life, and higher antioxidant levels. Without a doubt, the difference in taste can be attributed to buildup of nitrogen in conventional farming and not using artificial pesticides in organic farming. What makes organic foods organic? When it comes to organic foods, say for instance spices, they cannot contain any artificial colors or preservatives. Most importantly, it cannot be irradiated. Irradiation in itself is a huge process that is said to improve food safety. Even when researching this, I learned that there are a lot of foods that are irradiated in the United States that I was not aware of. 
Radiation is simply hitting foods uh, or spices with gamma rays to kill foodborne illnesses. Now this would be the same gamma radiation that turned David Banner into the Incredible Hulk. But don't worry, eating irradiated foods is not going to turn you into the Hulk. All jokes aside, the seriousness lies in the potential health risks involved. I'm going to briefly talk about irradiation and what it means in comparison to organic food. I'm going to dive into irradiation a bit because it's a huge part of agriculture. Lots of foods are irradiated in the United States, including beef, pork, chicken, vegetables, fruits, eggs, and fish. Essentially, if it's not organic, then it's pretty safe to say that it has been irradiated. The Food and Drug Administration, Center for Disease Control, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the European Food Safety Authority are all okay with irradiated foods. In 1963, the FDA claimed that irradiating foods was safe. They also state that irradiating foods does not change the quality, taste, or texture of food undergoing this process. They also state that it makes food safer as well as extending the food's shelf life. The CDC states that there are three types of irradiation methods, gamma irradiation, electron beam irradiation, and x-rays. They go on to state that irradiation damages the DNA of living organisms, killing organisms, and preventing sprouting. The sprouting they're talking about is when you have garlic cloves or potatoes and they start to get a bit old and they begin to sprout. The USDA also claimed that irradiating food is safe and does not make food radioactive and that consumers will not be able to tell the difference when compared. EFSA states that there are no risks linked to consumers and that irradiating food kills bacteria that can cause food poisoning. The thing is, even though irradiation has been used for decades, there's no long-term testing on irradiated foods. Granted, it's good because irradiation reduces mortality and illness and rids food of pathogens, but it also reduces the vitamins and minerals of the food that is treated and can make changes in the food. On organicconsumer.org, they state that irradiated foods lose 5 to 80% of their vitamins. They state that irradiation creates free radicals that can combine with pesticides used to form URPs. URPs are unique radiolytic products. These are chemical byproducts that can cause gene mutations. The argument here is that the long-term effects of URPs have not been closely studied. On the website centerforfoodsafety.org, they talk about food irradiation and state that irradiation forms mutagens that have caused cancer and birth defects in lab animals fed a diet of irradiated foods. All this being said, a major concern about the food industry is that having food irradiated will allow covering up or making less of an effort to complete and fulfill sanitary requirements. My personal take on this is that I believe irradiation is necessary for some foods like spices. The reason I say this is because there are some things that are almost impossible to have completely germ-free. When I was in college, I took an immuno, uh, immunology course and my teacher was a nurse. She was telling us that she loved tea and that a, a work-related opportunity came up to visit China. She was very, very excited to go as she was looking forward to trying the different brands of authentic Chinese teas. 
She told us that while she was there, she found that Chinese people actually use the tea leaves and they strain their tea and drink it. The leftover pieces from processing are swept up, irradiated, and then placed in bags to be sold primarily in the United States and countries abroad. She said when she got back to the United States, she made it a mission to not have tea involving bags and to only have the tea leaves. Now, this was back, you know, before there were these uh, mainstream organic food stores. Now you can easily go to any one of these stores and choose from a variety of tea leaves. Uh, as I mentioned a bit ago, irradiating things like this is understandable because there's no way you can get it germ free any other way. In regard to irradiation and organic foods, irradiation is not a natural process for organic foods and therefore irradiated foods cannot have an organic label. The goal of organic foods is to provide natural food that is nutritious, healthy, sustainable, and free of GMOs. Practices of organic agriculture include plant rotation to preserve soil, measures to prevent soil erosion, and natural pesticides to control predatory insects. Other rules include vaccinations for livestock, organic food for livestock, and a portion of land set aside for grazing. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has implemented these guidelines in order to meet government standards. Just make sure you check the label for USDA Organic. On the Mayo Clinic website, they have an article by their clinical staff entitled Organic Foods, Are They Safer? More Nutritious? They state that a product may have a label stating 100% organic. This description can be used for many foods, but Mayo Clinic states it excludes ingredients in the product like salt and water. Personally, I've never seen a label that says 100% organic. Maybe it's because they're not sold in the area where I live. They go on to say that if a product contains 70% of organic ingredients, then it can be labeled made with organic ingredients. If the organic ingredient content is below 70%, then it cannot have an organic label. Types of organic foods. The most common organic foods are fruits and vegetables. However, given the urge to eat healthier, organic foods are becoming more and more common in grocery stores. Additionally, health food stores are also expanding. You can almost get any kind of food organic. Organic foods include fruit, cereal bars, pasta, cereal, bread, vegetables, fruit drinks, beef, fish, chicken, butter, milk, cheese, yogurt, nuts, orange juice, and even some snacks like potato chips and ice cream. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for supporting the podcast. The Living Healthy Podcast is listed on many platforms, including Anchor, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bullhorn, and many others. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to check out the Living Healthy Podcast channel on YouTube. Also, if you have any questions or would like me to discuss a particular topic or you'd like to be a guest on the show, please contact me at livinghealthylivinghealthy at gmail.com. The difference between organic and conventional foods. There are so many benefits from eating organic foods. 
you'll feel better knowing that you're eating healthier and cleaner food. However, it goes beyond that psychological feeling as organic foods taste better, they don't have artificial contaminants, and they have better nutrition. As an example, organic meat has a higher level of omega-3 fatty acids juxtaposed to conventional meat. In addition, irradiated foods, fruits and vegetables farmed conventionally, have significantly lower levels of vitamins and minerals than organic foods. The fertilizers and artificial pesticides used in conventional foods are to blame for the low levels of nutrients. There is an article on the National Library of Medicine's website called Organic Foods Contain Higher Levels of Certain Nutrients, Lower Levels of Pesticides, and May Provide Health Benefits for the Consumer. It was written by Walter Sinian, and he states that studies show that organic foods contain greater levels of vitamin C, iron, magnesium, and phosphate than their conventional counterparts. As I mentioned, it's due to the use of artificial pesticides, fertilizers, and irradiation that causes the depletion of these necessary and beneficial nutrients. I understand the reason these are used in conventional agriculture. You know, it is to fend off insects, disease-causing fungi, and bacteria. We have more people alive on the planet than at any other time in human history. We all need to eat to survive, and the majority of people cannot raise their own cattle or grow their own crops. Things need to be processed in order to deliver food to people. My premise is this. Try to eat organic if you can. I always talk about that. If you've heard me in the other podcast episodes, I always promote organic as they are better for you. Simply stated, putting less toxins in your body is obviously beneficial to longevity. On top of that, the measures taken in producing conventional foods tend to defeat the purpose of gaining nutrition from eating food. Think of it this way. When you cook broccoli or green beans, you don't want to overboil them because you boil out the nutrients that you would have benefited from. On Organic.com, there's an article by Steve Meyerowitz called Are Organic Foods More Nutritious? He states that pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides used in conventional crops inhibit a plant's ability to defend itself naturally. He's talking about the antioxidants and polyphenols that occur naturally in plants. To show you how important these nutrients are, they're used in the multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical industry to create life-saving drugs. The hormones that are used in conventional agriculture are used to promote growth and milk production in livestock. However, these same hormones have been linked to endocrine disruption and cancer. On the Breast Cancer Prevention Partners website, they state that xeranol is a hormone that's been approved for use in the United States. This same hormone stimulates and promotes the growth of breast tumor cells. By the way, this hormone, among others, is banned in, uh, for use in Europe. Earlier in this podcast, when I talked about the deal that President Trump worked out uh, with Europe back in 2019 involving the importation of more U.S. beef, well, the EU has stood its ground, and even though it will allow more U.S. beef, that beef has to be hormone-free to meet the European Union standards. I can't discuss organic foods and conventional foods without discussing the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. The Dirty Dozen are fruits and vegetables that are treated with the highest amount of pesticides. In juxtaposition to the Clean 15, they are fruits and vegetables that are treated with the lowest amount of pesticides. I'll discuss those shortly. In regard to the Dirty Dozen, 
the general rule is to try to avoid these conventional foods and opt for organic. Even if you don't normally buy organic, you may want to just you may want to just to avoid the pesticides used to treat those listed in the Dirty Dozen. Environmentalworkinggroup.org has a list of the Dirty Dozen. They are listed in the order of most pesticides used to the least pesticides used. They are strawberries, spinach, the next three are grouped together, kale, collard, mustard greens, then nectarines, apples, grapes, cherries, peaches, pears, bell and hot peppers, celery, and tomatoes. These fruits and vegetables are on the list because insects, bacteria, and fungus affect them the most, so they have to be treated with the most amount of pesticides in order to have a profitable yield on the crops. Exposure to pesticides can cause a plethora of health and developmental ailments. For instance, pregnant women exposed to pesticides can pass it on to their unborn children who can then develop holoprosencephaly. This condition is where the brain does not divide and develop into the right and left hemispheres of a normal brain. There's an article on PubMed.gov by Adisi, Kruska, Troya, and several others called Prenatal Exposure to Pesticides and Risk for Holoprosencephaly, a Case Control Study. Their research study concluded that exposure to agricultural pesticides during pregnancy increased the risk of a child developing holoprosencephaly. Pesticides are not only linked to birth defects, but to cancer as well. Additionally, these pesticides can be found in the body. This really gives meaning to the phrase, you are what you eat. The Arizona Center for Advanced Medicine has an article on non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and it states that lymphoma could be stimulated by pesticides. The article further states that pesticides are found in the bloodstream, urine, and the umbilical cords of newborns. Additionally, they mention one way of decreasing exposure is to turn toward organic foods. Conventional fungicides are dangerous as well. There's one in particular that is called vinclozolin. This fungicide is primarily used on leafy greens, cucumbers, peppers, and green beans, as well as grape vineyards. Vinclozolin can negatively affect men by interfering with testosterone production, thereby lowering sperm count and causing erectile dysfunction. In May of 2021, there is an article on the National Library of Medicine's website by Fijo, Martins, Socorro, Pereira, and Correa called Effects of the Endocrine Disruptor Vinclozolin in Male Reproduction, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. They state that vinclozolin inhibits androgen and the tissues that interact with the hormone. Their meta-analysis involving vinclozolin and rodents yielded results of mice with lowered sperm count and decreased fertility. So there is evidence out there illustrating the dangers of conventionally, conventionally used products in agriculture. It is commonly used in the United States and the EPA lists it as a possible human carcinogen. On a side note, vinclozolin has been banned in several countries in the European Union. Conventional herbicides are also dangerous. One of the most commonly known herbicides is Paraquat. It kills on contact and is highly toxic to humans. It's mostly used on cotton crops and corn. Paraquat has been linked to ailments like organ failure and Parkinson's disease. The National Library of Medicine has an article called Rotenone, 
Paraquat, and Parkinson's disease by Tanner, Kamel, Ross, and several others. Their case study found a positive association between Paraquat's ability to disrupt mitochondrial processes resulting in Parkinson's disease. Unfortunately, as of 2020, Paraquat is still being used in the United States, but is under very tight regulation. It has also been banned in Europe for over a decade, and China has stopped producing it. However, China still has a supply of it, and they're using it on produce exported out of their country. Currently in the United States, there are numerous lawsuits ongoing involving Paraquat. So given this evidence, there is a clear link between conventional foods and ailments due to their processing and juxtaposition to organic foods. As I stated earlier, organic foods do contain pesticides. However, they are natural pesticides. While conventionally grown foods have man-made synthetic pesticides, which are the problem? As of 2021, the Environmental Working Group website has the following fruits and vegetables listed as the Clean 15. Avocados, sweet corn, pineapples, onions, papaya, frozen sweet peas, eggplant, asparagus, broccoli, cabbage, kiwi, cauliflower, mushrooms, honeydew melons, and cantaloupes. Some people will say that you don't have to necessarily try to get anything on that list organic because it's on the Clean 15 list. However, if you know me or a regular listener to my podcast, you know I always say opt for eating organic. As eating healthier is always a better option and I would only settle for conventional if I cannot find organic anywhere. Life is short enough as it is and limiting your exposure to carcinogens and pesticides is without a doubt always a better option. On DrSearsWellnessInstitute.org, there's an article called, Should You Be Buying Organic? It states that in 2018, the USDA found 230 pesticides in fruits that were washed, and in some cases, after they were peeled. They go on to state that, of the clean 15, only four types of pesticides were found. I don't want to mislead anyone to think that just because it's on the Clean 15 list that it's automatically organic. It isn't. It must say organic on the label to be organic. The Clean 15 can be conventional or organic. The Clean 15 just means fewer pesticides. The difference is that despite being on the Clean 15 uh, list, conventional uses synthetic pesticides which are linked to ailments such as birth defects, infertility, cancer, and Parkinson's disease, to name a few. To put this into perspective, the CDC states that the average person has traces of 29 different pesticides in their body, while organic uses natural pesticides that, while not perfect, they significantly limit or prevent your exposure to deadly man-made chemicals. All that to say that the premise of organic food in comparison to conventional food is that organic foods are healthier, richer in nutrients, and are the healthier option. Washing your fruits and vegetables. Whether your fruits and vegetables are conventional or organic, it's a great idea to wash them. As a matter of fact, I consider it a necessity to wash them. Aside from the pesticide residue, it seems like every six months to a year, there is a recall in some kind of leafy green due to an E. coli or a salmonella outbreak. They sell washes for your fruits and vegetables, but I recommend making your own. 
you can buy a small brush and a spray bottle and mix in 50% hydrogen peroxide and 50% water. Hydrogen peroxide is a weak acid and acts as an antiseptic attacking the cell walls of bacteria. It can also kill yeast, fungus, and other germs. You can also have a 50-50 mix of white vinegar and water in a spray bottle. Vinegar is another weak acid and it's a fantastic cleaner and antiseptic. It's effective in killing viruses, bacteria, and fungus, as well as washing away those pesticides. You can also use baking soda and water. I would not recommend putting baking soda water in a spray bottle because when it dries it could clog the tube and sprayer nozzle. You could put in uh, the water in a sink and stir in a, a cup of baking soda. With the use of a small brush, you can use the abrasiveness of the baking soda water to gently wash and clean your fruits and vegetables. Baking soda also has uh, antimicrobial properties. GMO foods and non-GMO foods. GMO foods are genetically modified and non-GMO foods are foods that are not genetically modified. GMOs are fairly new, as they've only been around since the 1990s. GMOs consist of genetically modified organisms, plants, or animals that are made for food production. GMO foods can also be described as GE, or genetically engineered. The genetic combinations do not occur in nature, as they have had their DNA altered. They can be engineered to fight off a certain fungus, allowing the crop to survive in an area where its life is limited due to that fungus. When things are genetically modified, they can also be engineered to withstand spoilage to extend shelf life. Non-GMO foods are the real deal as they occur naturally and they are unaltered. The controversy surrounding genetically modified food is that long-term studies have not been fully researched. Genetically modified food has been deemed safe by the FDA since GMOs made their initial debut in 1982 and then becoming prominent by the 1990s. So relative to science, this is not that long ago. We have all eaten something that was genetically modified, so we are literally part of an unofficial experiment. I'm not saying that they're, we're being used as guinea pigs and that they're doing this on purpose. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that uh, GMO foods have been found to be safe. We just don't know what will happen in the long run. The argument is this. With rising cases of cancer, uncompromising food standards of other countries, and consumers having more access to information, there is concern for overall health in the long term, especially since mutation of genes and abnormal changes in DNA can lead to cancer and genetically engineering food is essentially rearranging the food's DNA. There's an article on the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies website. The article is by Dr. Jonathan Latham and it's called GMO Dangers, Facts You Need to Know. He mentions um, glufosinate, which is a herbicide that kills plants by preventing them from making an enzyme. He states that this enzyme is pretty much found in all living organisms and the glufosinate is toxic to humans. The crop gets modified to withstand the herbicide, but unfortunately, months after treatment, traces of this herbicide can still be found in the product. This is why it's important to wash your vegetables and, and fruits thoroughly before consuming them. 
Skepticism lingers in that inserting genes can be dangerous as we don't quite know what will happen in the future. Gene manipulation and rearranging DNA could have potential hazardous effects down the line, especially since cancer is essentially damaging the DNA. Another way to look at this is by DNA mutation. A mutation that results in cancer happens when genes mutate. Genes can mutate when they're exposed to a chemical or something unnatural or an anomaly. The foods that we eat can change the way our genes are expressed and our DNA is making copies every time new cells are made. Our cells do this almost 2 trillion times a day. DNA is copying itself this many times a day and it can make a mistake by leaving out a way to repair itself because it was exposed to something which caused it to make this mistake, which results in a mutation. If the, the DNA is continuously copied, this mutation will result in cancer, uh, in a cancer cell or tumor um, formation. There have been short-term studies, but only one official long-term study that I am aware of that was administered by Dr. Gillis Eric Seralini. On the Pesticide Action Network website, they state that French molecular biologist Dr. Gillis Eric Seralini ran an experiment with rats. He gave the rats a conventional diet that was treated with a herbicide, while the control group was given non-GMO food not treated with the herbicide. They reported that the experimental group developed tumors, including pituitary gland tumors. They suffered hormone disruption, kidney and liver damage as well. They go on to list what I would call Dr. Seralini's most prominent find in that two years into the study, 50% to 80% of the rats developed tumors, while only 30% of the control group developed tumors. He stated that this was his proof linking the herbicide to the health condition of the rats. Genetically modified foods, aka conventional foods, can be anything from chips, spices, baby food, dog food, pasta, nuts, cereal, cereal bars, orange juice, etc. It's safe to say unless the food products say non-GMO or organic, it's pretty safe to say what, you're, what you and I are eating is genetically modified. If it has corn or soy in it, uh, they're most likely genetically modified. However, the most common GMO foods in the United States are corn, potatoes, canola, cotton, soy, papaya, sugar beets, and squash. According to Piedmont.org, the top 10 most common foods that contain GMO ingredients are the following sodas that contain high fructose corn syrup from sugar beets, milk from cows that are fed soy, meat from livestock fed with soy products, tofu made from soybeans, vegetable oils made from corn, corn or soybean oil, cereals made from corn products, juices that contain sugar from sugar beets, frozen foods that contain corn and citric acid, and canned soup thickened with a corn product. Non-GMO and organic foods. Non-GMO does not mean organic, but organic means non-GMO. When the label says non-GMO, it just means that the product does not contain any genetically modified material. The USDA forbids any product, any food product or livestock to be fed anything genetically modified if it is to be sold as organic.
what words mean. If you read food labels, and you should, you'll see things like natural or all natural or natural flavor. These words don't necessarily mean that the product is pure or even good for you. The USDA defines natural as no artificial ingredients or added color. The product can still contain hormones or antibiotics, meaning it can still have genetically modified ingredients. The FDA defines natural as nothing artificial or synthetic added that you would not normally expect to find in that food, meaning it can still have genetically modified ingredients. Natural, all natural or natural flavor can mean ingredients to make something taste a particular way. Chemicals can be made to give a product a particular flavor, like orange, strawberry, or in the case of meat, to give it a smoky flavor. Multigrain is another interesting label. It doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. It can be genetically modified. Multigrain just means it has more than one grain in it. Uh, enriched. Now, this means that during processing, nutrients were lost and put back in later in the process. They're not really good for you, um, as enriched foods are usually heavily processed and contain either a lot of fat or salt or both. Fortified. This just means that vitamins or nutrients were added in products where they don't naturally occur. The problem with this is that the body can have issues processing a synthetic nutrient because the body can't process them the same way it processes natural vitamins or nutrients. Zero grams of trans fat. Now this is another one. We all know that trans fat is not good for you and it was heavily used to extend shelf life of some products. Bacteria won't touch man-made trans fat as it, you know, it's not food. Um, and it takes a very long time for the trans fat to eventually break down. Uh, trans fat is, is not used as much as it was, uh, say, 10 years ago. However, it's still being used in many products. Some products say zero grams of trans fat. That doesn't mean it does not contain trans fat. It just means that the trans fat, uh, trans fat content is below one gram. So it can still have less than one gram in the product, and the manufacturer is not lying because it contains zero grams. Uh, low fat is another label to mention. Low fat is always a great thing. However, some products, but not all, labeled as low fat tend to have more salt. Make sure you check the product label, and if you have hypertension, are diabetic, or have a kidney issue, you may want to uh, really pay close attention to anything that you buy that's listed as low fat. Now, how to make sure that you're not eating GMO products. Check your labels. Try to buy non-GMO and organic products. Make sure you read your labels and do your research. If there's an ingredient that you're not sure of, write it down, look it up, and find out what it is. You can try to shop at organic food stores. You can also try to grow your own garden. Um, you also can utilize the internet. Today, we have so much access to information. You can go to the USDA website or the FDA website to look up any information on agriculture and food processes and labeling. Bottom line, are organic and non-GMO foods better for you? Yes, they are. Despite some critics saying no, scientifically speaking, I would say that organic, non-irradiated food is better for you. It's tastier, more nutritious, 
more beneficial and natural. That's going to do it for this episode of the Living Healthy Podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank you for your support, and I'll see you next time. And remember, living healthy creates a better you.